1: Welcome to another episode of the Budding Heads podcast on Rams Talk Radio. I'm your host Steve Barrow. I'm here with Blaine Grisick of Rams Talk for me at Downtown Rams. Blaine, been a while. How you been, man?
3: Yeah, it has been a while. Doing doing great. Been busy, but but uh, the first preseason game officially in the books i am ready for some rams football
1: absolutely yeah and i figured you've been you've been out of it a little bit so i figured you got some fresh takes that we haven't heard here on the podcast
3: i I got i got all the hot takes
1: (laughs) that's that's what we need well before we get into it obviously you can find us on itunes soundcloud stitcher iHeartRadio, google play android player fm and iebradio.com our show there airs wednesdays saturdays and sundays at 10 a.m pacific and of course. Wherever you're listening to, give us a five-star review if you enjoy what you're hearing. We appreciate all the listeners. We'd appreciate the reviews even more. Uh, But yeah, so we're here. I'm with Blame. We're going to talk about a little bit of what happened in the preseason game, a little bit of uh, what's happening off the field with a certain number 99 on our team. But first, before we get into it so we can get right to the football, let's give a quick shout-out to one of our sponsors, and that is Jim Hawk's book, Hollywood's Team, grit, glamour, in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You know, since we're all addicted to pretty much anything Los Angeles Rams here, why wouldn't you want to learn a little bit more about the history of the team with a personal touch? This book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the eyes of John Hawk whose dad Jim played offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out the story of a father, a son, and a team that played in the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about guys like Norm Van Brocklin, Crazy like Hirsch, Les Richter, Tom Fierce, and just a story that spans through the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find the book at Hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at Hollywoodsteam. It's available both in hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, and a paperback is apparently on the way. You can also find Hollywood's Team through various other booksellers on the internet. This is a great book, guys. It's a book you're going to want to read if you want to get some history into the team, and it's definitely worth every penny. For any Rams Talk fan out there. So if you want to get the story of a father and the legacy he left behind through his son's eyes, grab Jim Hawk's book, Hollywood he Seen, Grit, Glamour, and the Nineteen Fifties Los Angeles Rams. It's definitely worth your time. Okay, so the Aaron Donald saga seems like it's been going on forever. It's been about two years now. Last year he held out and it was kind of, he had two years left, so I wasn't as you know strong it never really seemed like anything was going to happen the Rams never really budged this year though he's out of the last year of his contract it's kind of fair of him to hold out has is it fair enough for him to hold out as long as he has I think so but that's up to everyone else but recently downtown Rams reported that the team is expected to come to a deal by the end of the week in the range of 24 million dollars annually and 65 to 70 million dollars guaranteed now Dante Taylor supported this, and we hope it's true. There hasn't been any other verifications, but I still think this is a good talking point with the price of $24 million a year for what's not too bad at guaranteed money. So let's assume this is true. So Blaine, if Donald does sign for $20 million a year, is that a deal you're happy with?
3: At $24 million, I, that, that's definitely on the higher side of things. I was kind of hoping for more around like $20 million annually. $24 million is definitely pretty high I I I was always kind of on the train of you know don't just hand Donald a blank check and let him put in whatever number he wanted and 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 roll with it I mean when you guys got when you have guys like Goff Gurley I mean Cooks when you have so many so many weapons on offense that you're going to have to secure long term I mean they got Gurley done obviously they got Cooks done um but they're gonna have to get Goff done and who knows what the quarterback number is going to be at that point. And if he plays like he did last year, his, his number is not going to be cheap by any means. And so $24 million for a guy that his, according to USA Today, his win above replacement or how many wins he's worth is 1.8. I'm not sure if that's worth – one of Donald's win, wins is worth $12 million. I mean that's a big number. And, I mean, when you look at past defensive tackles that have gotten paid big like Albert Hainsworth and and, and Sue, those – Deals haven't necessarily worked out for those teams, and those teams regressed because of those deals. So, um, I mean, I'd love to have done a long term, but twenty-four million dollars is definitely on the higher side for me.
1: Yeah, and it's it's a steep price. He'd be the highest-paid non-quarterback in the NFL. So, he might be the best player in the NFL that's not a quarterback. But at the same time, I get you know it's definitely an overpay because it's about three, four million dollars more than any other non-quarterback now that being said I do think somebody would give him that money and I do think that I would rather overpay him to stay here than to let him walk unless we got a crazy crazy trade package which I think may have been possible but we're a team that's competing for Super Bowl now and like you said Cooks was extended Gurley's extended Goff is coming so we're going to be a bit capped out at some point here. And I think looking at next year and this year, next year we still have, and I'm looking at the salary of players under on the books next year. We still have Cooks. We still have Whitworth. We still have Brockers. We still have Gurley. We still have Peters. We still have Barron. We still have Goff. We still have Tlaib. We still have Robbie Coleman. We still have Robert Woods. We still have John Sullivan. We still have Johnny Hecker. We have almost all the guys that are on the rookie contracts. And if... Overpaying Donald to keep him on the team this year and keep him on the team next year. And then 2020 is when Goff is up and the the cap is really going to hit the fan then. But to, to be able to keep it together for that long, I think it's worth it to overpay to keep it in that two year window at the least. And ideally, because we have a lot of guys on the books next year, and if Goff signs for, or not Goff, if Donald signs for, The expected 24 million dollars our cap space next year would still be 34 million so i mean ideally because we don't need to spend all that money it'll be nice to have and it'll help in bringing back joiner if we have to maybe we throw another franchise tag on him but i would rather give aaron donald a hefty overpay next season and i would rather give him like 30 million dollars next year and then maybe in the 18 to 20 million range annually after that just because I think next year is the only year we can really afford it, and it's going to be a tough contract to judge. But until we have all the details, but I don't know. Well, how would you would you rather kind of front load this deal or have it as a steady rate the whole way?
3: Yeah, I mean the 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 window to win is right now. I mean you you have um you have Jared Goff on his rookie contract. You've got, like you said, you have all these guys on their rookie on their rookie deals, and I mean after these next two years, like. Is is a guy like Rob Havenstein going to be able to come back? Are you are you going to be able to pay to keep him long term? Um, I mean, he's not the best right tackle in the league, but he's definitely a steady guy to have over there. And then that just puts that much more pressure on Noteboom to to develop on that side. Um, Lamarcus Joyner, you mentioned, you know, John Johnson has be coming up. You have Marcus Peters. You have all these deals that are going to be coming up, and you're going to have to pay these guys. It it just goes back to that the the Seattle Seahawks situation a couple years ago where they had all these guys on their rookie deals, and that's when they that's when they won so it, it's very important for the rams to win right now so i i think front-loading the deal probably works better for them if the if the plan is to win now
1: yeah and i think if you're aaron donald and the rams go we will give you 30 million dollars and we'll fully guarantee the entire year and then after that you know you're not going to get as much money but you're going to get the expected contract that you want at that price range i he, if they throw $30 million guaranteed in his face for the first year, he will never say no to that. I can't imagine a world unless the rest of the contract is like 10 a year. The, so his $6.9 million salary he's making this year is double what he's made in any season. So for him, ideally, he's not going to want to hold out. But at the same time, we shouldn't be counting another man's money. They have about 10 to 12 years, if you're a really good player, to make just about all the money they're going to make for the rest of their lives. So I don't blame Donald for milking this for as much as he can i do still think he will be there week one i know rumors have been that he's not going to show up if the contract's not done but i do think if as long as the rams are paying over 20 million a year i think he would take the deal and show up but i i do think they're gonna if this 24 million is accurate it's it's pricey but I think it's a deal that you have to make just because the window in the NFL is so short, and we saw it with the Seahawks. They got that ring early in. They went back to one Super Bowl after that. But, I mean, look at them now. Their guys came up. They paid some of them. They had to let some of them walk, and here they are. It's basically Russell Wilson in a box of scraps. And Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's tough. It's it's tough when you got that short window.
3: Yeah, it definitely is. That's what makes the NFL NFL so, so difficult. That's what makes what the Patriots have done the last— Fifteen years, so incredible. They've been able to sustain that that success, and um, yeah, no, it's, it'll be interesting to see how wh- where this contract situation goes. Twenty four million dollars is high, but like like you said, you know, Aaron Donald's probably the best non um, non offensive player in in the game. I and mean, there's a reason why he won Defensive Player of the Year last year. And he's a guy that's going to be able to su- sustain that level of play, barring any injuries. So um, twenty four million is definitely on the higher side, but it's it's probably, it's probably a number that I. would If Aaron Donald's on the field week one, I'd get over it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Is there any part of you that thinks that if that's the contract he's going to make, they should just trade him and let another team deal with it?
3: It depends on the team, um, obviously, and and the the package. I mean, draft picks are so 50-50. It it really is a crapshoot. So I think you'd have to trade for another stud player and – Probably a couple. For me, it would take it would take a stud player and probably at least two first rounders and a mid mid round pick. Like just because just because those draft picks are, are so you're leaving that you're leaving that up to chance. Really, like there's no guarantee that one of those players is going to going to pan out. I mean, just look look at the RG three trade. I mean, only like really half of those half of those picks even really turn into be being really good players. And so I think you'd need a star player as well as a handful of draft picks. Yeah, um, and and even then like. I'd want to trade him to the AFC so that you're facing them once every four years and not, you know, in the division where you're facing them twice a year.
1: <laughs> yeah, unless it was literally like an offer they couldn't refuse, which would have to include a star player because they're windows now. And it would still have to include like two to three first round picks, which I don't think anyone's going to offer that. And no. that's why I don't even think the Rams probably aren't even taking calls on this because they definitely don't want to see him in another uniform. There's no way Jared Goff ever wants to see that guy coming across him at the other side of the line. So I. No, there's maybe a 0.001 percent part of me that thinks maybe we should trade him, but it's, it's very low. Now, if he's going to resign, I mean, what's your ETA on when you think he might be back at camp?
3: From, from what I've seen, it, it, it seems like week t- – Week two, he could be signed as as early as week two of the preseason. Um, so that so this upcoming, I think it's I think we're gonna play on Sunday. Yeah, so I, I mean, it could be done as early, as early as then. But it, I mean, if he's not here all preseason and he he that deal's done by week one, like that that's fine. Aaron Donald doesn't does doesn't need to be getting preseason snaps. Um, so week one is kind of my ETA.
1: Yeah, and I, I think even if he comes back, he's not playing in the preseason. I would be floored at this point because last year. He literally showed up the day before the season started and won the defensive player of the year award. So he definitely doesn't need it. We know what he's. We know what he can do. We all know what he's gonna do if he's out there. So I, I think hopefully, hopefully he's back at camp next week. Maybe late next week or at least. Yeah, ideally. I mean, I mean
3: that would be the hope. If 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 what Jake from Downtown Rams reported is 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 true, then I think early sometime next week is a good good sort of timeline
1: yeah i'm i'm with you yeah i uh I, i'm excited to, to finally get him back out there and you add him to that off that defensive line with sue with brockers man it's it's going to be scary
3: yeah the, the the that that rams defensive line is going to be crazy i mean if you have if you have brockers playing at the same level that he was last year i mean you put in sue that really doesn't have to i guess have the pressure of you know he has to do everything and then you, you have Aaron Donald like. It, it, it's gonna be, a, and then I mean, you just, you add in Marcus Peters and Aqib Talib and Lamarcus Joyner, like the Rams' defense is gonna be so fun to watch this year to just kind of see how it all works together.
1: Yeah, and and for all these reasons is why like you you kind of gotta just pay him, even if it's a lot of money, just because the Rams have won one Super Bowl ever. They've never won in L.A. They're in a city where. There's another team in the market that if they make a Super Bowl run, which is doubtful, but it's not completely out of the question, the the fans might shift. And it's also in a city where the Raiders hold a big stake. So people become fans of teams because they're good. Kids become fans of teams because they're good. If the Rams weren't good when I was a kid coming from Connecticut, there's no way I'd be a Rams fan. But they were good during my younger years, and I sat through 13 years of hell to get to where we are now. (laughs) So I, it just has so many implications that even if you'd be overpaying Aaron Donald, the fact that you're going to be competing at the highest level this year and next year if you lock him in at the very least and probably longer term because, I mean, we talk about Goff, Gurley, Donald, and Cook's crippling the cap, but those are four very good players. They're not going to be a joke if they have all four of those guys in the books. So I think... You know, hopefully we can get him at, like, I would like 20. I think that's unrealistic. Maybe we can get it to 22. And at that point, is it's $2 million. Like, it's that's not going to be a deal breaker for either side. No.
3: It, yeah, no, it, exactly. Like, you have the nail on the head. Like, yeah, it, It'll be interesting to see what the final number numbers are, but yeah, if it's something like I, I, I would I would like twenty million, I don't think that's gonna happen, but if it's something where you know two million dollars is separating Aaron Donald, putting pen to paper, like at that point you just you just gotta give in at that point.
1: Yeah. And I just think it like stuff like this kind of goes ignores that kids gravitate towards good players. Kids gravitate towards good teams. I live in New York. I see a lot of adults wearing Knicks gear, I see a lot of kids wearing Steph Curry and LeBron gear. And if the Rams are good, that's laying a foundation of fans that, for the future, will probably stay fans. You know, kids kids switch teams whenever they want. You know, There's not as much loyalty as there are their adults. But if you get them when they're growing up into the loyal years, they're not going to go anywhere. There's a lot of guys yeah. our age. We're Sixers fans. A lot of Sixers fans are fans because of Allen Iverson because – he was a god when they were a kid, and the teams really weren't even that good. They just had that guy, and Aaron Donald is kind of that kind of player.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Aaron Donald's kind of the face of the defense. Um, Todd Gurley's kind of the face of the offense. So, I mean, you, you lock those two guys in long term, and and you're pretty set. And I mean, you have the stadium opening up opening up here in in um, here in in, in, a, in a year or two. So, you know, if you want to fill the new stadium, it's it's very important to win now. And like you said. Winning draws the fans, so if, if, if you win now, you're, you're going to be able to fill that stadium when it opens up.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. All right, we're going to talk about players way worse than Aaron Donald in a sec. But first, it's still summertime in Southern California, guys. It's still hot, and it still means it's a good time to visit the pool. If you don't have a pool, or if your pool needs work, if you need to remodel, if you need to resurface, you got to check out Jayhawks Pool Plastering and Remodeling at 4780 East Wesley Avenue in Anaheim, California. Jayhawk Pool Plastering and Remodeling serves the Orange County and the Southland. It's run by Jayhawk, the eldest son of former Ram John Hawk. He built this business on the mantra of fantastic results and, of course, amazing customer service and good pools. Just head on over to Jayhawkpools.com and take a look at their work. You can see the quality finishes and the testimonies provided by past customers. If you're looking to remodel, resurface, or even put in a new pool, just give Jayhawk Pool Plastering and Remodeling a call at 714 695 0700 again, that's seven one four six nine five O seven oh. You can also email them at info at jhawkpools.com. Guys, this is a great opportunity to support the podcast, to support the Ramley, and support your local area. If you live out there, give Jayhawk Pool Plastering Remodeling a call. You'll be glad you did. And also, guys, the season's right around the corner. Our ratings are going to go up, our views are going to go up. So if you want to come in and sponsor, you should do that now. Give us a call, give us a, not a call, reach out, email. Text message on Twitter, on Facebook. Hell, even comment on the iTunes reviews that you want to sponsor if you do. Hit us up. We have a media kit ready to go, and getting in now will save you some money. All right, back to the Rams. So, the starters have not really been playing in the preseason so far, and the backups have. And the backups did not look good against the Ravens. And that kind of starts with Sean Mannion. Now, I won't lie. I didn't see the game live. I saw the box score. I almost threw up when I saw Sean Mannion's uh, stats, who I have not been high on on this podcast, or really at all, since he's gotten here. But I went back today. I watched all the passes Sean Mannion threw. He did not get a lot of help. He had guys in his face a lot, but at the same time, he didn't make any plays. He, He didn't do anything that would make me feel good about him being our quarterback if Goff is knock on wood here if anything happens which ideally he plays 16 games and we won't have to worry about this but this is literally what a backup quarterback's for so i want to know on a scale of one to ten how confident would you be in sean manion if he had to step into a game for us
3: um if it's on a scale of zero to 100 i'm gonna go with a zero if i can go lower than a zero i would i mean manion just ever since he was drafted I-, I wasn't a fan of the pick um i don't think you take a backup quarterback in the third round. That 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 to me is just a waste of a third round pick. So I, I wasn't a fan of the pick. Then uh, he, he every time he's kind of gotten some work, he hasn't shown anything special, and, and he he just he hasn't progressed at all. I mean, even even if the the, the Rams took him in to the third round, you would expect some sort of progression, some sort of development over over the time. Of, this is his fourth year now, and it's just he hasn't shown any sort of capability to be a backup quarterback in my opinion uh i mean y- you can look at the ravens game um i mean three three for 13 16 yards in interception, a, a, and interception and 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 an atrocious passer rating i mean he didn't have much help but I, don't, I i don't care like if you're tom brady playing with no help you're not going three for 13 like that's very bad so i mean you have brandon allen this week taking splitting second team reps and I, so I think there is a good some competition there now um I, I just have zero faith in Sean Mannion and I mean you look at the Eagles last year I mean it is very important to have a capable backup quarterback you never know when your guy is going to go down and um I, it takes one guy one defensive player one offensive lineman to fall into Jared Goff's knee. but knock on wood um to put the Rams in a situation that quite frankly I don't think they're prepared for
1: yeah no and a backup quarterback is important and you look around the league and there's so many teams with like three quarterbacks who are all better than everyone on our team, but Jared Goff. I mean, the Ravens threw out three guys that you you feel okay about. I mean, RG three is another story, but like he looked pretty good. He's proven he could play in the league. And if, if I'm talking about a backup quarterback, I either want a veteran who has done it before or a, a guy an RG three type guy who if your quarterback goes down and you have to come in, you know that there is something buried inside him where he has done this before and he's got a lot of upside. Sean Manning has no upside. Like at best he was what he's like, Sean Hill, I feel like, is his peak. And I don't wanna watch Sean Hill again for the rest of my life. I I don't know. I I think this team has underrated back a quarterback for a long time. Literally, because we've watched them all during the Sam Bradford years. Cool. And outside of my guy, Austin Davis, we watched a lot of quarterbacks who were boring, who were bad, and who lost us football games. And I'd be scared if we threw out Sean Mannion because I think he'd be another Sean Hill, another Kellen Clemens, another A.J. Feely. I don't know. Now, <laughs> you got anything else to add on that? or Yeah, I mean
3: – I I, I I again like you, you hit you hit the nail on the head like Sean Manny and there, there's no upside there like I mean you even look at the 49ers game last year like he just he wasn't good and yes the Rams they like, had they had their backup they, they had their backup offense in um, in that game that they arrested quite a few of their players but but still the, the, it's just you look at the tape and there's just nothing he, he looks lost on the field and I, I mean it, it took the Rams forever to find a quarterback they finally they finally found Jared Goff but I mean after Bolger, they went through so many quarterbacks i mean i i i remember witnessing keith knoll throughout he, i remember the yeah. the original the, the original um nathan um nathan um what's his name the bills quarterback um that threw five interceptions in the first half keith knoll was he was he was the first one to do that so yeah i mean there, there were some bad years and i mean you mentioned sean hill uh kellen clemens Rams, it took the Rams forever Rams for to find a quarterback so it's it's hard to find two and even right right, right now like Is there a guy on the street that's better than Sean Mannion? Obviously not. Um, That's why I think it's important for the Rams to see what they have in Brandon Allen, to see if if Allen is a guy that if if called upon it if, if he is better than Sean Mannion and that's a competition that I'm going to be really watching th- through these last three preseason games. So yeah, I mean I, I have no faith in Mannion and, and like it'll be interesting I guess when cuts are made too. Like if the Ravens do cut a guy like RG three, he's a guy that has experience with Sean McVay. Do the Rams try to sign him? Try to sign him and bring him on board? I, I, if another like veteran guy is cut, do they do they go that route? Um, so yeah, it'll it'll be interesting when cuts are made and see how the rest of the preseason plays out but i even going into next year the rams have to i think draft a backup quarterback or or sign somebody that they can have some some sort of faith in if, if knock on wood golf goes down
1: yeah yeah um well i will say uh colin kaepernick is better than sean Mannion, but i don't think the rams want to bring him in right now for obvious reasons but so i think that brandon Allen he he made some plays he made more plays than sean manny did I would like to see Luis Perez get a couple snaps, Uh, and I know he's a long shot here, but I mean anything just to see if any of these guys has it, and it's just, it's wild when you think about the last two stable quarterbacks we had before Jared Goff, it was Sam Bradford and Mark Bulger, two guys who seemingly got injured every year and seemingly had no backups behind them ever. The last good backup we had was Mark Bolger, who played. <laughs> yeah. Like,
3: yeah, I know.
0: I <laughs> like, know.
1: Yeah, look what happens when you have a
0: when you when you, have, when, you have, when
3: you have a good good backup. You you just you just you, you, you cut a future Hall of Famer. That's that's what comes out of that. So
1: yeah, and I, I'll give Case Keenum some credit. He was okay, uh, but he he was kind of in the same boat. So I mean, I would like to see them target one of the like an RG three, a Teddy Bridgewater um so anyone like even josh mccowney he's cut anyone like that i i just think we need somebody back there that can play and i don't know if it's sean Mannion. i mean do you have any faith that it could be allen or maybe even perez i have more
3: faith that it could be could be brandon allen what brandon allen showed against the ravens he made some actually some pretty good some pretty good throws i thought um i would like to see if that can continue um over these next three preseason games, and and if he if he continues to show what he showed in, in against the Ravens, then I don't think there's any reason why he shouldn't be the backup in the Rams. Cut Mannion. Like I I don't see the Rams keeping three quarterbacks. And right now, to me, it seems like Allen could be the guy with higher upside.
1: Who would you rather have, Sean Mannion or Joe Webb, as your backup? Oh gosh!
3: <laughs> can I choose neither. Um, I I, I don't know I probably keep Manning at that point.
1: I don't know. Joe Webb can run at least, and neither of them can true. throw. So I mean, what are we doing here? Uh, I yeah, I was just I'm looking at the third string quarterbacks in the league right now. I mean, Drew Stanton's the third stringer on the Browns. They could keep two guys. Drew Stanton's not that good, but I th- I'd rather have him than Sean Mannion. Mike Glennon's on the Cardinals. Yeah. Uh, also, not very good, but I'd feel better about him. Uh, Austin Davis, obviously, he's on the Seahawks. He's gonna make it, so unfortunately, he probably won't come back into play. Brock,
3: Brock Osweiler could get cut in Miami. I mean, that that's a guy that has starting experience, but once again, like he he's a guy that can't seem to hit the broad side of a barn. So I I, I don't know if he's a guy that you want to go after either. It's 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 it's, t- it's really tough for to find a, a starting quarterback and to get. A, a solid guy behind your starter is even, is even harder, but it's something that Eagles showed last year. It, it's kind of a, a necessity.
1: Yeah, and the the Dolphins have Tannehill, they have Brock Osweiler, they have David Fales, and they have Bryce Petty. Uh, I mean, Petty is not very good, but I feel like he's like – maybe I'm just like being dramatic here, but I feel like he might have a little more upside than Mannion. Not that it's saying much. Yeah. Uh Cody Kessler I thought was on the Browns still but he's not and he's not getting cut by the Jags. Um yeah. I I think we've said enough about this. I do want to talk about a little bit about the backup running backs. So, I don't know if you caught any of the preseason game when I was watching the the clips today. John Kelly looked really good. Malcolm Brown didn't. And why am I playing Justin Davis I thought looked all right too. I I wonder, like, how do you think this backup running back out? I mean, I, none of them I don't think will play that much, but you think Malcolm Brown enters the season number two on the depth chart? No,
3: I, I don't. I think um, the Rams found a gem in John Kelly in the draft, and i've i loved when the rams signed justin davis as an undrafted free agent i've i've always been a huge fan of his coming out of usc um and he he did have some really solid runs um against the ravens so if it comes down to three guys i i i, I think personally i would keep Gurley, kelly and davis but it, it, it'll be tough to get rid of brown just because he was the number two guy last year but right now my top three would be would be Gurley kelly and and davis i mean kelly kelly rolling off that big run against the ravens was really exciting really showed his potential and i'm if, if the rams use him like i think they can use him and like i think mcveigh wants to use him it's kind of like that versatile out of the backfield um catching the ball out of backfield type back it, it, i think he can end up being a pretty special guy um in this offense
1: yeah kelly looked he made some really good plays he looked exciting uh, he If he's a backup, I'm not going to groan when Ty Gurley comes off the field like I did when Malcolm Brown or Lance Dunbar would come in. So, yeah, I think you know he was surprising. I think everybody was pretty impressed by his performance in that game. So, yeah, I, I would really like to see him be the backup. And I actually liked Justin Davis. He didn't look as crisp. He made some mistakes. But I thought he looked pretty good. And I think this is really the position battle, I think, that has me the most intrigued because backup running back is important i mean todd Gurley, he's going to be a three down back most of the time but he's running a lot he needs break it's not a position where you're on the field every snap like yeah quarterback
3: I, and be. i mean you just sign this guy long term you can't run him into the ground in no. year one of this long contract so it is very important to have that have that depth behind him and and, and not, not just depth but like if todd Gurley comes off the field and john kelly comes on the field have some sort of threat of a run game you can't you can't have Gurley come off the field and have the defense thinking it's going to be a, a pass. You, you have to have a guy that has some sort of threat as a runner as well. And I, I think the Rams do have that in a guy like John Kelly and, um, and I, I think Brown could I think keep his spot on the roster just because he has that experience from last year. But I mean, if you have Kelly Davis or Brown, like those are guys that you need to have the threat of a run game. I, I think I think they do bring that.
1: Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of when uh, Brady Quinn was Denver's backup and Tebow was third string, it's like, you know, if you ever need to make a quarterback change, it sure is only going to be Brady Quinn. That would kind of feel like the same thing to me if Malcolm Brown wound up being the backup, because I do think if they ever needed a new running back, uh, which, I mean, knock on wood again here, I don't really like talking about injuries, but teams have to prepare for this. If Todd Gurley ever couldn't play, I think John Kelly would get most of the work. I think from a fantasy perspective, he's your handcuff, not Malcolm Brown, because I think he's the guy that is more likely to break out, whereas if Malcolm Brown comes in, I think they just throw the ball a shitload. I don't think that he would really be getting work. I think Kelly, there would be a chance he'd get work. But, yeah, it's going to be a fun position battle to watch. And I think with how little position battle there really is at wide receiver, which is probably the most cut-and-dry depth chart on the roster, the running backs will intrigue me.
3: Yeah, yeah, same. I mean, like you said, we have – it, it was obvious we have we have our starter in in Gurley, but you know the, yeah this backup running running back position is very intriguing. I mean you, you have you have guys like Kelly with so much potential, and guys like Brown with with that experience, um, and Davis who's kind of, kind of a he he's he, he's a guy that, that that could surprise some people I think. Um, so yeah, it's a fun one to watch, and I think these guys are going to get a lot of work because I, I don't think the Rams are going to risk it with Gurley. Um, I, I think they're going to rest him as much as possible and keep him in a in bubble wrap per se until week one
1: before we move on i do want to talk about this quick i was looking at the receiver depth chart because i feel like every year we talk ourselves into some undrafted free agents or guys that we we hope will make the team and make something happen and i feel like the most recent example was nelson spruce who i feel like a lot of us legit thought was going to be a contributor and unfortunately he got injured but it doesn't feel good man to look at the receiver depth chart and you got cup woods and cooks at the top you got Cooper, Josh Reynolds, and I guess Mike Thomas are rounding it out. Mike Thomas, I feel like, will probably make the team. And that's probably it. The undrafted guys, I feel like they don't really have a chance. Everyone else after that, uh, unless they really outperform Thomas, who I think is the only guy that could get hot here. But man, doesn't it just feel good to finally have a receiving core we could be happy about because Oh
3: my gosh, you have no idea. Like it's it's amazing. Like after Tory Holt and Isaac Bruce left, it was it was incredible the amount of bad luck the Rams had at wide receiver like when you look at Sam Bradford's rookie year and and the Rams rolling out who was it? Was it Mark Clayton that wide receiver? And Jesus, yeah. I think Laurent Robinson, Denard Brandon Alton. Gibson. Yeah, Brandon Gibson. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, some of the names that 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 started for the Rams of wide receiver was scary, and 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 now it's, it's scary in the other direction. I mean, you guys like you have a guy like Brandon Cooks who can take the top off a of defense. Robert Woods showed that he's a steady guy and can be be reliable. Cooper Cup, obviously, was another steady guy in the slot. Pharaoh Cooper, I think, brings brings a lot to the table. Um, and I mean, had he not been suspended the first the first the first, four, the first four games last year, I think Mike Thomas probably could have contributed a little bit last year in offense. And you know, I think it'll be interesting to see uh, if if McVay does work, work him in a little bit more too.
1: Yeah, and I think for the most part, it's going to be Cup. Sorry, Cup Woods and Cooks. I think I just combined Cup and Cooks. but uh i I think for the most part they're gonna play most they're gonna dominate the snap count i think we will see reynolds and thomas mixed in and i think they'll get a little bit of touches i don't see really a big role for either of them Uh, i don't really see much of a role for cooper on offense but he's obviously got a really important role on special teams that he will be carrying some guilt in that regard for the rest of the year which might give him a chip on his shoulder to never fumble again but I think if there were players to get increased touches in the passing game, besides those three and Gurley, it would end up being Everett, who obviously he's banged up. I don't really see Higby coming up. But I Thomas is interesting, and I think he interests interest me a little more than Reynolds, to be honest. because I know a lot of us talked to ourselves in the Reynolds when Watkins left, but I'm glad we don't have to do that anymore.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, we need. I, I need Mike Thomas to make a play so that the the only play that comes up comes to mind when I think of Mike Thomas is the drop in Seattle um, in, in Goff's rookie year. I, I need that play erase my memory. So if he can make a a, a nice play and, and kind of redeem himself, that'd be great. But I, I guess I want to ask you too with Pharaoh Cooper. Do you see him taking? I guess. Do the Rams – are they completely getting rid of the jet sweep that they used with Tavon Austin so much the last, I guess, three years? Do you think that that is completely wiped from the playbook, or do you think they do put a guy like Farrell Cooper in that sort of
1: role? Honestly, I think to kind of get rid of the unpredictability or get rid of the predictability of it because when Austin's out there, uh, there's like a 60% chance they're running a play for him because he can't really do anything else. Cooper – I don't. Well, I guess he is as bad in that regard because I think he's just as good a receiver as Austin was. But honestly, I think the Jets sweeps will go to Cooks this year because okay. he could stay on the field. Uh, if he's going in motion, it's not a given he's going to get the ball or they're going to fake it to him. I think he he's quick. He's damn quick, uh, and he's a much better player than Austin or Cooper. So i I think he would be the guy that would kind of they drop some gadget plays for, even though he's going to get the ball regularly too. Yeah,
3: no, I, I, that, that would make sense. He is a, he is like a he's a small, quick, quick guy. That yeah, yeah, he's he's very fast, and I I, I, I could see that working out.
1: I'm gonna link this in the description on Ramsalk But I did write an article before last season about the 10 year stretch of just awful receivers for the Rams, and I think the best we had during that stretch were Danny Amendola and Kenny Britt, which says a yep. lot for your best receivers over a decade. I love Amendola, he's actually a good player, but he's our best receiver for a decade, so that's not good. No. Uh, But yeah, I think we could put the kibosh on this argument, and we're going to hit a little bit on some fantasy football topics, quick hits, Uh, obviously we had a lot of news from the first week of the preseason, and drafts are coming up, I got my first one tomorrow, or I guess tonight, when this podcast comes out, but before we do that, let's give a shout out to our original sponsor at the Golden Ram Barbershop. If you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area and like the old school barbershop experience, check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Sal Martinez opened his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day they left for St. Louis. He kept the lights on the entire time they are in St. Louis. And luckily for him, they came home and now he could serve the LA Rams community and the fans that are there for where the team is. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS. That's 714-894-7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows that we sent you. You can get a discount on an already affordable haircut. and He knows he's getting a knowledgeable Rams fan in there to really shoot the Rams stuff with. The Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturday from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Sundays, he's probably watching the Rams. He's not open. One more time, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. A visitor shop is worth it just for all the great Rams memorabilia and nostalgia you'll get from seeing that, but also to talk football with Sal and to talk about the Rams, of course. Trust me, guys. This is an experience you're not going to want to regret. All right. I'm a fantasy guy here. Blaine, I don't know about you. How much fantasy do you play?
3: Um, I, I do two to three leagues every year. Um, I've been so busy recently that I I'm just now kind of – diving into it and and doing my research because I have I have my, my first draft I think is August 26th so I have 11 days to, to prepare for that one and um and hopefully put a competitive team out this
1: year yeah I, so I'm i pretty big into this I'm in eight leagues right now wow which is a lot but I write for com on the side and I'm in a low amount of leagues compared to those guys which is pretty wild but uh, what, what I'm going to start doing on the show is I'm going to do a thing I like to call the Fantasy Five, which is five topics or players we're gonna, that I'll bring up every week. Just some quick hits so you guys know the deal. And the big news out of the fantasy world this week, and we'll start with number one, was Darius Geis, the rookie running back, being the rookie running back on Washington out for the year with an injury, which means that we'll get more of the same between Chris Thompson, Samaje Perine, and Rob Kelly. Probably going to be Rob Kelly and P. Ryan fighting for the early down roll, but here I think Chris Thompson is the guy you're going to want to own. If you're in PPR leagues, the guy is a machine. He has been a guy I've been targeting kind of all preseason and mock drafts, and a guy I'll be targeting with my real draft start. Right now, his 12-team ADP is 8.12, which is crazy for a guy that I think, even with Geiss there, might have been able to start in the flex, and now without Geiss, I think he's a surefire flex in PPR. I do like P Ryan and Kelly. It's too early to tell what their ADPs are going to be. I would go P Ryan if I had to pick between the two. But I think Thompson's the guy you want to target here, Blaine. I mean, what do you think of this backfield without guys?
3: Yeah, I, with, with with like without guys, I'm I, I don't think I, I'm touching P Ryan or Kelly. Uh, but like you said, I think Chris Thompson is the guy. Especially like if you're if you're doing PPR, he's he's a guy that that is that is a guy that, that contributes in the backfield quite a bit, catching the ball. Um, especially in that John or, or not John Gruden Jay Gruden offense, and you have Alex Smith that Alex Smith there this year as well, and he's a guy that, that likes to target running back a bit. So uh, I think I think Chris Chris Thompson is definitely the guy if, if you're going for somebody in that Washington backfield. Chris Thompson is I think the guy the go-to person or the go-to player you want to you want to draft.
1: Yeah, he's a guy I'm definitely targeting. I mean, P Ryan. I don't know how high he's going to jump up, but he was there in like the ninth or tenth round. You Need know, a backup running back. I'd gladly take him. Uh, More than that, we'll we'll see. But number two is another injury. Rashad Penny had a hand injury. He's going to be out for a few weeks. He's believed to be expected to be back week one. I'd probably hesitate on that. I would expect, if you're drafting him, you hope he's back week one. You probably expect more week three or four. So with that, I think with Penny is a guy you're drafting for upside because he's a rookie, he didn't have the starting job yet, and he's also playing in Seattle. So I think if you liked Penny before this injury... I don't think you hesitate, and you'll probably be able to get him at a little better of a value here. If you didn't like him, Chris Carson is a guy who might see a rise, but when I looked at his ADP, it ADP was 7.12. Now, that's in a 12-team league, uh, so that would be the 12th pick of the 7th round, which I think is decent, but still reach for a guy that many expect to lose his job to Rashad Penny, and also, if playing in Seattle in a system that hasn't produced a good running back since peak Marshawn Lynch, I mean, Blaine, and just in terms from a football perspective, would you trust either of these guys to be able to turn Seattle into a legitimate <laughs> running offense?
3: Um, the only guy I would is Chris Carson because I, I think he's the only guy that's really had a sustained success in running the ball for for them. I'm, I'm definitely not trusting Rashad Penny. The Seahawks running backs are so difficult because since, since, since Lynch, like you said, they, they haven't had a standout guy, and they've had so, – they had, you can ask Russell Wilson, I'm sure he'll tell you they haven't had a good offensive line, so and, and in order to run the ball, you need, you, need an, you need an offensive line. and so the CX running backs are, are tough because of that they, they are a team that they will run the ball. they, they, they are a play defense and run the ball type team. Um, but if, if there's a guy in that backfield like Chris Carson's the guy that I would, I would target, but the seventh round is a little high for me. I think I'd, I'd kind of target him in kind of the maybe the 10th round, 10th or 11th round.
1: Yeah, I agree, and I, I don't think he'll be there. There, I think Carson might be a guy where if you say if you draft, let's say like Ronald Jones from Tampa, uh, maybe a couple of rounds earlier, and you need a guy that you can throw in for the start of the season, then maybe I'd take Carson at that ADP. But it's a, it's a tough call. So, and really, when you're drafting guys that don't have a grip on the starting job and might end up into, in a committee, it's really just you're you're taking a lottery ticket here. And I think with Penny and Carson, it'd be more likely that. One of them plays a lot one of them doesn't. And I don't know which one it's going to be. But I think that would be more likely than them going to a committee. Because even last year when they had all their guys healthy, they really just play one of them. And that's why we saw so much action from Carson, from Rawls, from a lot of guys up there. And speaking of lottery tickets and former Seahawks, my number three in the Fantasy Five is Christine Michael. was getting First team reps with the Colts offense this week. I don't know if that says more about Michael or the Colts offense, but for those who've been playing fantasy for a while, Christine Michael has been hyped up as a savior for about seven years with like seven different teams. Now, in this case, Marlon Mack, I think is injured. And that's why, well, I know he's injured, but that's why Chris Carson or Christine Michael is getting the carries. I, but it makes me hesitate to draft any of these guys. I mean, I don't know. Mack is still the guy you want to target, and we'll see what his ADP is when factoring the injury and factoring that. When you're doing a draft with a lot more casual players than people online who are drafting right now, Michael Max not a sexy pick. Uh, he's more of just a guy that you're taking because he has a job. But because Michael's playing, I I would not draft him. I would not draft rookie Naheem Hines unless you're in a dynasty league, maybe in the late late twilight rounds, but. I mean Mac, I I would be okay with maybe in the seventh or eighth, with given the injury, uh, just because he's a guy that it seems like they're going to give him a fair shake to be the starter.
3: I don't like Colts running backs either, just because of the, the, like Frank Gore was a solid guy there. He he was he was a guy that would get you, he, he would get you points. He wasn't a guy that would win a win a week for you, but he wouldn't necessarily lose you a week either. So I, I'm always hesitant, kind of going towards Colts running backs. Uh, I think for me, the guy that I. I, I love Naeem Hines. I think he's definitely worth a look in the later rounds. Um, he, He's definitely worth that risk. Um, So, yeah, I, I, I don't love Colts running backs. So if there's a guy that I'm looking at, I I, I love Naeem Hines.
1: Yeah, I, I like Hines too. He's a guy that I'm definitely hoping could fall to me in my Dynasty League in a redraft. I, I Yeah, maybe the, the 12th, 13th round if you're just looking for a swing. He's a guy that could take that job because really we don't know if Mac is good. And he might be good and he might even end up just like – Mack and him could end up being a very poor man's version of Kamara and Ingram, which wouldn't be bad for where you're taking him. Number four, here's Blaine. This is what I want to get your take on because this is a very polarizing player in fantasy right now. And not this guy, but the 49ers just signed Alfred Morris because of an injury to Matt Breida. Now, Morris is interesting, not because he was particularly good last season. He was okay. He was serviceable. But because he's going to Kyle Shanahan's offense, and Kyle Shanahan is a guy – that ran the offense when RG3 and Alfred Morris had those crazy rookie seasons. So you know he likes Alfred Morris, and you know their starting running back is Jarek McKinnon, a guy who is going, being drafted, his ADP right now is 24.5, which in a 12-team league would be the first pick of the third round. Now, McKinnon, a lot of people love him. A lot of people think he's going to get work. But I really just, I'm not ready to say he's good yet. And if you're taking a guy at the top of the third round, opportunity in fantasy is very important. But at the top of the third round, you want a guy who you think is good. And Bill Simmons, who has horrible fantasy takes, I listened to his podcast, but he made a point where you want to draft guys that are fun to have on your team. I don't know if he'd be fun to have on my team. I mean, are you in or out on McKinnon this year?
3: I am all in on McKinnon this year. Okay. I, 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 want, I, I haven't drafted any of my teams yet, but he's a guy that I am definitely targeting, um, especially in a PPR in a PPR. Like he, he, you go where the money talks. like go where the money is. the, 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 the Seahawks, the 49ers paid this guy big time money this off season. Like they are going to utilize him in a way that he was not utilized in Minnesota. Um, they're going to use him catching the ball out, out of the backfield. They're going to run the ball with him. They have a quarterback. I Ramsons aren't going to like me saying it, but the 49ers have a quarterback in Garoppolo. That if he continues what he what he showed last year, he's a threat to throw the ball. So if you get a, McKin- a guy like McKinnon in that in in that offense and a guy and in, in an offense that ran by Kyle Shanahan is very creative and gets guys the balls, gets guys the ball in creative situations, much like McVay does. McKinnon is a guy that I think could explode this year um and maybe he's a guy that everybody drafts at the top of the third round and he and he busts hard but he's he, he's a guy that I love
1: yeah I mean for all those reasons that's why he's going so high because Shanahan likes utilizing his running backs he got crazy years out of Morris he got crazy years out of Devonta Freeman he didn't get a crazy year out in one last year because you know the, I think the team was done with Carlos Hyde and he's I don't know how much of a system fit he was with Shanahan so McKinnon is really intriguing and that's why he's going so high because it seems like they're going to give him the ball a lot. It seems like he's going to catch some passes. He's going to run. He showed some flashes last year, but my pro- my biggest problem with drafting McKinnon that high is just because he never beat out Matt Asiata fully for the job in his entire tenure in Minnesota. And there was really two big stints where both of them played and McKinnon could have pulled away because we know Matt Asiata is really not that good, and he just never did and that, that, to me, was a concern.
3: I mean, McKinnon had a really good rookie year, I remember. But I, I don't think he's the downhill running, runner that, um, that, that Minnesota wanted him to be. And, and, and that's why Asiata kind of worked better. Um, I think he's he's more of an outside zone guy, or he's more of a zone type runner rather than just running it up running it up the middle like like Minnesota likes to do. So I, I think that's why he's more of a fit in this 49ers offense. I, I guess we'll see because he hasn't had that that consistent success, um, and that's one reason to I guess be weary about him. But I think in the Shanahan in the Shanahan offense, he's going to be put in situations that are going to that are going to put him in the best chance to succeed, and that's why I like him.
1: I'm really interested to see how he plays out, and that's a guy who I'm really interested to see where he goes in my leagues because odds are there's going to be someone that's on your side of it and someone that's on my side of it, and we'll see how high he slips or how high he goes. Now, the last point, the last here, one here, number five, I want to do a should we draft kind of thing. So my guy this week is should you draft Deshaun Watson, a guy whose ADP right now is 40, now, let me, let me do the math real quick So I kind of pulled the wrong one. In a 12-team league, that would be the fourth pick of the fourth round. My answer here is no. And not because I don't think he's gonna be good. I think he's gonna be very good if he's healthy, which I think he will be. But to be taking him with the fourth pick in the fourth round, when quarterback is so deep and you don't need to take a quarterback that high, if you're taking him that high, you're expecting him to be the six-game sample size we got to Watson last year for 16 games, which, well, I think he's going to be good. Those stats were bananas, and for him to put that up over a 16-game stretch, I just don't think is possible. And I think that if he doesn't do that, you don't need to take a quarterback that high. I think that's it's too early for a quarterback. If you wait, there, Goff is down there late. Philip Rivers is down there late. Ben Roethlisberger. Two years removed from MVP, Matt Ryan, there Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes. There's guys with upside. There's guys that are safe picks. There's just so many quarterbacks. That I I wouldn't take a quarterback this high, Blaine. I don't know how you feel about taking a quarterback.
3: No, I I have the same same philosophy. Like I, I'm I'm I, I'm barely touching Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady in the fourth round. Like it, it it would it would take a lot for me to draft a quarterback that high, and a guy in especially for a guy like Watson who's only played six games. I mean, he showed a lot last year. Um, and he showed that, you know, if he can put that together for 16 games, yeah, he's, he's probably a top three quarterback, or a top three fantasy quarterback, but, um, th- there's still so much uncertainty there, um, that I, I'm not, ta- I'm not taking him. I, I, I'm always a guy that t- takes quarterbacks late. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm somebody that I'll probably take Patrick Mahomes later because he has it up, that upside and he'll be in an Andy read offense where I'm taking, um, Jared Goff, who should put together, he, he, he may not, he may not play at an MVP level and, 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 be an aaron Rodgers type type quarterback but he's a guy that will give you solid output every single week so the, the, that that's kind of where i i lean I, in the fourth round where you can still get really like you can you can get a number one wide receiver in the fourth round you can get a number one w- running back in the fourth round taking a quarterback that high where like you said the, like you said the position is just so deep i i i wouldn't do it
1: yeah i think the only guy to even consider in the fourth is rogers but a he's probably not going to be there be. the injury history is there with him too. And yeah. he hasn't been able to stay healthy last year. I, I wouldn't bank on any of these guys getting injured, but I think he's got that risk too. So, I mean, unless you he falls late in the fourth round of Rodgers, maybe i grab him because he, he is so damn good and he's proven he could do it every year. But it, the difference between quarterbacks isn't as steep as it is with some other positions. And let's say you draft two receivers and a running back. You're going quarterback in the fourth round you're not going to like the running backs that are there when you come back around because running back is not that deep this year while quarterback is really deep. And I think by the end of the fourth round, you should have your two running backs. That should be a goal of drafts. That's kind of what my strategy is going in. Unless there is just insane value for receivers or like a Gronk falling to the third or fourth that prevents me from getting a running back. But that's, that's how I see it. And that's the fantasy five for this week. I'll be, I'll be getting one of those to you every week, hopefully, unless we have a lot of Ram stuff to talk about. But, Blaine, you got any final thoughts? I think that about wraps it up.
3: That about wraps it up. It was it was fun. I had a great time.
1: Yeah, and, of course, follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at Ramstalk. Find the Ramstalk room on Facebook if you're not already in it. That's where we're there to interact with you guys, answer questions. You'll find all of our content because Facebook algorithm is making it tricky. You can find me on Twitter at Steve Ribeiro. Feel free to ask me any fantasy football questions you have or just anything, and I'll I'll be happy to answer. Blaine, where can they find you?
3: I am at bxgreasek1993 on Twitter.
1: All right, guys. Don't forget to follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, Player FM, iebeatradio.com. And we will talk to you next week after the Rams' second preseason game where hopefully Sean Manning plays a little better. But I'm not betting on it. So, Blaine, thanks for coming on, and we'll talk to you guys soon.
2: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.
0: I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome
2: to the Planet Premier League podcast.